Camila Cabello is a bad liar, but I'm good. That is Selena Gomez song. No. Which one? Ah, yes, it is. is bad liar. <laughs> oh, good job, Vital. Good job. Okay, you tried. If you're using that kind of a mic, just make sure you're not breathing into it. That's yeah, all. don't do that. Like... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Vital, can you just buy a mic? Because you're. Because hey, Oppa. Oh yeah. Oppa. <laughs> 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 Has Pamela become the new Mansa? Mansa. <laughs> Why? What's that, bro? You suck with technology. You yeah. suck with technology. No, I don't. No, no, he very. Why you became engineer? Hello everyone and welcome back to the Coco Pod. This is our fourth episode guys. It's so crazy. I feel like we recorded episode 0 just a few weeks ago. Anyway, my name is Nivi and I'm joined by my fellow Coco beans, Ananya. Hello. Mansa. Hello. Manvi. Hey hey hey. And Sana. Hi. We are also joined by a very good friend of the podcast and the Coco Beans, Vital. Hi, Vital. Hello, hello. I the feel Coco like Bean maybe part of Vital, like he was a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's really rude. The Coco Pod is a podcast where we conduct a sort of brown breakdown of our favorite K dramas. We believe that there's just so much more to discuss than the storyline that is presented. This episode is titled "It's Okay to Not Be Okay," but spoilers are never okay, and we'll delve a little bit into the story behind why the episode title is as the episode progresses. But before we begin, we just want to say that this podcast is solely the Coco Pod's own opinions and subjective perceptions of the Korean dramas. They're not backed up by a reliable source and are purely for entertainment purposes only. And with that, how is everyone doing today? I just really need to clear my throat. And I need to pause. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sana, I'll help you with the editing for this one. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. okay. I think I'm very concerned about Mansa, <laughs> and also I'm really excited that Vital's joining us as he's a non-Korean drama watcher, but he always supports us in this cause. So he's a sweet uh, bunny. I feel like all of us are feeling damn chaotic today. Like we just got through on laugh, laughing fit. Oh, I see a lizard there, guys. This is why I built that barricade. Pally, pally. Ah, Nivi, I already made that joke. But to answer your question, I'm feeling fabulous AF, and I just want to sleep. But you know what? For the podcast, I will sacrifice my sleep. I will hustle, and I will, I don't know, charge full speed. You know, before this podcast started, I I also said I had a lizard in my room, which is a little scary. I feel okay. It's a good day, I guess. All right. So before we begin, here's a quick summary of the show for those of you who haven't watched it recently. Uh, and if you haven't watched it at all, this is a good time to exit this episode and tune into the show on Netflix. We promise we'll be right here when you're all done. Um, so it's okay to not be okay is a Korean drama that aired in 2020 on TVN and on Netflix. 
It follows the lives of the Moon Brothers, Gangte, played by Kim So Hyun, and Sangte, played by Oh Jung Se, uh, as well as Ko, Ko Moon Young, played by Saw Yee Ji. Gangte works as a caregiver in a psychiatric hospital and is responsible for his older brother, Sangte, who is on the autism spectrum. The two are often on the move on account of Sangte's fear of butterflies, a manifestation of the trauma he experienced as a sole eyewitness of his mother's murder. If they stay too long in one place, Sangte's fear grows worse until it overwhelms him. That being said, Sangte is a very talented artist and a huge fan of our stunning protagonist, Komun Young. She's a best-selling author of children's books and has been diagnosed as having an antisocial personality disorder. While she's heralded as a prolific writer, she also receives criticism for the grotesque and dark plots and illustrations in her books. The drama follows the evolving relationship between Munyang, Gangte, and Sangte as they learn more about themselves and each other while coming to terms with various aspects of their life. Okay, how about we start by taking turns and talking about one thing that we really liked about the drama and one thing that we didn't like at all about the drama. Okay, yeah, so when I was thinking about this, you know, what were things that I liked and I didn't like, um, I just found, I just, it occurred to me how impactful this show is with its scenes. So, like, if I were to point out, it would be, um, like, when Komun Young screams at the deer. Like, it's so silly, but it just left such an impact on you. It's just something you'll never forget. And then you have more complex scenes, like, um, when Sangte accepts Ko Moon Young as a family member. So the range was wide, but with each scene, it was so impactful. Something else that was so um, like different was that the way the show pulled in non-K-drama watchers, as we later um, talk with Vithal about. But uh, for me, like I'm re-watching it for this episode, and my dad got so obsessed with the show i haven't watched the finale of vincenzo which i'm so mad about because he hasn't stopped watching uh it's okay to not be okay every night so it's so intriguing like i'm not sure what is so different about it that pulls in you know the non-k-drama watchers but it is intriguing and when i think about what i didn't like i'm not too sure because there wasn't anything that like in in terms of um storyline that i was mad about but if i was be be sorry being picky then i'd say maybe uh gangte leading on komunyong at times i feel like in the first at least 10 episodes or so he's so back and forth with komunyong and that was quite confusing so i think that's the only thing that if i'm being very nitpicky about but it didn't really bother me too much. So yeah, these are my likes and dislikes. Well, for me, it was, I loved a lot of things about this show, especially the acting. I loved the, the essence that each and every actor brought out on this show so beautifully uh, executed, especially uh, Sang Te. Oh my God, that actor, I think it's Oh Jung C or something. Uh, yeah, he is a genius. Such a genius, lovely actor. And uh, So Yeji, oh my God, what is that acting? I loved it so much. So yeah, and also the fashion sense. Can I just talk about that? 
I love the fashion sense that she had to bring in this whole uh, show. Like literally, I was thinking, uh, like I took so much inspiration from her dressing sense. Loved it, perfect. And the most impactful as an artist myself is uh, the the way the character in her stories in her stories the way they were um, they uh, illustrated it. and it's so beautiful it's so unique it's like i loved it it like the all the stories they made so much sense and i loved how the three had their own separate stories and how they ended up together at the end absolutely loved it what i didn't really like about this uh show was that i think mental health is does not always have to be in such extremes i feel they should have portrayed a how everyone goes through stuff um like i think they should have even included probably a subtle case i guess um but they always they showed like uh, in depth like a people like totally totally struggling like and showing it and having multiple disorders and medically admitted kind but you know there's so much that uh, mental health has to offer and i don't think they really got all of that what i really liked about the show was that it wasn't super k drama ish if that makes sense like it was it was just a really good show like that's how i put it i wouldn't say it was a good k drama it was a great show um and i really liked the vibe like it was it was sort of easy but at the same time it was ethereal like the way they went about it like with the with the theme and the the set her house i don't know some of the elements just added on to like the creepiness but also seemed very unreal for some reason and i really liked how they interplay the interplay between you know the reality and how she how they would go back to the book and like explain things using characters from the book her her, her children's books which i thought was really interesting um and yeah of course the acting was great and her fashion sense was too i don't know for some points it was a little hit and miss for me i feel like it was very cruel cruella they will at some points like i was like okay like i would never wear that i don't really see anyone wearing that except for like cruella they will and she would like kill down missions to wear it so i don't know um the thing i didn't like too much about it was sometimes i felt like komonyong was really mean <laughs> like really mean especially um i don't remember her name but the nurse at the hospital the one who had a thing for gangte like Ooh, i don't know nam juri yeah 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 i felt like i don't know at some point i mean i don't know if it is justified but i don't know if the whole girl on girl hate was really necessary um but you know i wouldn't know like my entire um understanding of the show isn't really complete because i never ended up watching it because it all spoiled it for me and i got so angry because after he spoiled it i was like you know what? i'm just not watching this on principle he has ruined the show for me and i will stand by this decision for the rest of my life and hold this against him until his grave until he hits his grave throwing me under the bus i spoiled it for you it seems ma what you did you did you mean to throw you under the bus you did so like i'm lying the title of this episode is literally based on what you did yeah, yeah. Vital, we didn't call you as guest, yeah. We called you as the person to roast. Before we go on about uh, how uh, Vital ruined Mansa's entire experience, if it's okay or not, be okay. I'm going to give my two cents about the show. 
so what I really did like about the show is as like Manvi and Manu addressed uh, about the use of uh, the comic book, I mean, the cartoons and the children's book to express the problems that are faced by adults. And it's a really nice depiction of how even though these are portrayed through the children's book, it's some issues that adults face as well. And even the endings of this book, the way they have portrayed it, it addresses real issues, which people do not generally address or even acknowledge in our society. So I really love that. Uh, again, like her fashion sense is amazing. Like I am such a same for black and gold. It's like and even her secrets of black and gold like how amazing is that <laughs> so i absolutely love that thing uh but uh an another thing that i did not like i mean one thing that i did not like was the way in which the relationship was right like komen young and moon gangte the way she approached him and the way she talked to him like let's just reverse the gender roles here okay <laughs> if it was a guy doing this it would be borderline sex. It's not even borderline. It was sexual harassment, and like, oh, it's it, it's not okay. It would not have been acceptable. It was stalkerish, damn creepy, and I think if it was not a part of the K drama world, not saying that it should be excused just because it's a part of the K drama world, it's not an acceptable behavior. So that's one thing I did not like, and also. I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I feel like to a great extent, they were romanticizing uh, art and um, literature with pain. Because like, if you take into account whatever she went through and whatever her mother went through, uh, they were, it, it kind of implied that you need to go through to have like good literature out there, which I'm not a huge fan of. Like, I don't know, it's it maybe something that's a personal opinion, but I feel like they're trying to propagate that. So that's one thing that I did not like. First of all, to address the whole spoiler thing, I did not know that Mansa didn't finish this show. So there is a group called, it, it's a K-drama group, and I am for some reason a part of this group. And I've muted this group because there are like over 100 messages a day, over 500 messages a day almost, which is ridiculous, okay? So then I saw Ananya watching it one day and she was like putting screenshots or like pictures on this group. So I assumed and everyone was responding. So I just assumed they all watched it. And I started watching it quite a while after they all finished talking about it. So I assumed they all watched it and I was just giving them updates. And I came to like the spoiler, the main spoiler, like the mom spoiler. And I was like, oh, because I did not see that coming. But then Mansa hadn't seen it and I didn't know. So technically it's not my fault. But she just holds me accountable to it. It's not my fault. It's not. The reason I didn't see that spoiler coming was because I didn't see it at all. I didn't was see I the last two episodes. Because you should ask. You can't just put up spoilers like that. And if you read the messages on the group, then you would know how much everyone has seen. But you don't read the messages, even though you're part of the group. And then you say, oh my God, by the way, I don't know what is happening. Well, someone told you it's happening. It's on the group. You said read it. I Can I just that. say that after that spoiler came out, Mansa quit the group and we had no idea why she quit the group. <laughs> and this doesn't happen in our group. Like, like people don't quit groups. <laughs> and That's it was true. a mutual crisis. It was. And I remember, I remember Ananya had such a cute message right after Mansa left the group. 
uh, and she said, uh, "Give Mansa love like you give water to a plant." <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah, it was so cute. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Arne had vodka in her hot chocolate that day. Yeah, unfortunately, But I was damn annoyed. I was damn annoyed because it was a really it was building up to be a really good ending, and I was deprived of a good ending. And you know what? With the things that are going on right now, I don't need to be deprived. I worked hard to watch those like first what fourteen episodes. Winter binge watch binge watch the show like in two days yeah. he binge watched the show. I remember. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's because he liked it or he just wanted to get it over with. No, no. I will tell yeah. you. I I will come to it. Don't worry. So first, the first <laughs> thing I liked about this show, okay. So I liked the fact that they discussed stories apart from like the main plot and the the second lead plot. There were other stories about other people, and they were explored and explained really well, which was really interesting to me. And like, I really liked how they talked about the other people in the hospital and what they were going through and how they like fixed, like how they came terms with it, which was really cool. The thing I didn't like about this show is that it is too long. There are sixteen episodes, and each episode is an hour and a half long, right? It's ninety minutes, which is ridiculously long for one episode. And this is my problem with all K dramas: is that it is just too long to finish, and I just cannot, I can't commit to watching that. It's too long. There are sixteen episodes and ninety minutes an episode. That's why I finished watching this in two days. Because I was just like, I have to get through it. If I stop, I won't start again. So I just went through it. You know, I agree with that. With the characterization that K dramas are long, and that's why it took so long. With it's okay not to be okay because it was heavy to begin with, and I couldn't watch too much of it in a day because it was just a lot. Like it was a lot to handle and a lot of information. I think I don't know. And more than that, it was just. Yeah, it was just really long. So I and I'm not someone who binges K dramas unless it's like really light, really fun or something. Or if I'm in the mood, like in general, I just don't binge K dramas. Um, binging is usually something I do with like, like mystery stuff where I'm like, oh my god, I have to find out the answer. Um, so yeah, I I agree, and that's why it took so long with watching it. And then when Vital spoiled it, in a sense, Vital is to blame. I think for me, uh, I, I I will I'll first address like some of the things that came up. Uh, uh, I think about the about the mental health and the showing the extremes thing. Um, I think it, it definitely by virtue of it being a psychiatric clinic uh, or a psychiatric hospital, technically there were definitely probably more serious cases of mental health related issues, and there are. uh mental health is often underrepresented in the media at least the accurate representation is often lost uh i do though i do feel like uh uh one could argue that there were mental health issues that were still being portrayed in the show that didn't necessarily have a label um and maybe that has some pros and cons attached to it because if if you are in someone who uh Uh, you know, knows to particularly look for particular signs. You may or may not see it, and also mental health in general is a spectrum. Um, so it, it is definitely vague. But I would argue that there were signs of mental health concerns here and there for me uh, that were pr- probably not a psychiatric level concern. 
Uh, and about the romanticizing uh, literature, I actually think that's a really good point of view. I didn't think of it that way. Uh, to me, the um, romanticizing pain and turning that into literature was more of um, uh, Young not being able to uh, express her emotions because she didn't know how to do that. As a young child, uh, her, she was kind of almost groomed to be emotionless or like a can, uh, which is what Gangte says when in a fit of anger to her. Um, so yeah, no, for sure. I think um, it, there is some romanticization of pain, but I, I also think that her writing and the art in the book is just her way of expressing how she feels on the inside because she wasn't really able to do that on the outside. Uh, the things that I liked about this K-drama uh, are actually very similar to uh, the things that I liked in True Beauty, which is that the, even though there's a long cast list for this show, everyone has a very uh, cute and very uh, deep character with uh, you know their own quirks, which for me has always been uh, a, a, something that really attracts me to a show. Uh, and and the other good thing that I found was that even though they had comic relief moments, the comic relief didn't really drown out uh, the rest of the narrative, uh, which I've seen in some shows tends to happen, but I think they managed it really well uh, here. The, uh, the things that I didn't like, uh, there were some very typical pop psychology stereotypes uh, that were brought up and mostly by Dr. O. Uh, I remember at one point he said that he could, uh, he had practiced psychoanalysis for so long that he could look at someone in the eye and he could tell what they were thinking. Uh, if, it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've said this to you guys before because it's a psychology stereotype that frustrates me, but no psychologist can read your mind uh, or your behavior. It is all too subjective for it to actually be uh, a cause and effect type of thing. Uh, and the other thing that he says, uh, was that uh, the idea that someone who overdresses, uh, I think this was at a point where uh, Gangte had asked him whether someone who overdresses is someone that wants to show off. And uh, uh, Dr. Rowe says that no, uh, someone who overdresses is trying to protect themselves. Uh, ideally, unless you know the person that you're talking about very well and their history, etc., like it takes a long time for you to come to that kind of a conclusion. So I just, I, I think uh, psychology isn't like, this is usually pop psychology. Uh, empirical psychology takes a lot more time to like deduce these kind of things about people. Um, the other thing that I know that I, I said I would say one, but the other thing that really annoys me is that Subway was everywhere in this show. And I understand that Subway is like a huge sponsor of a lot of K-dramas and they slip that in in various ways in different shows, but Subway was everywhere in this show. And I don't hate the fact that Subway was there, it was just that I started craving Subway and I'm not in a position to get Subway. And so that irritated me a lot. But I think overall, honestly, I would not hesitate to say that this, this particular K-drama, uh, despite its length, was uh, hands down my favorite K-drama, at least of last year. Um, I just had one thing to say. And that was regarding the art bit. I don't know. I feel like pain is such a powerful emotion, which is why it inspires, I don't know, art of, and of such quality. I think more than romanticizing it, it's just that for artists, art becomes an outlet for their pain, which is why it's so profound 
and like it's just so beautiful and yeah i don't know i feel like it's true sometimes it is sort of overrated in the sense that you know you have to be deeply troubled to produce great art but i think it's more the opposite it's that since you are troubled art becomes an outlet okay uh, so i don't know if this is relevant but i'm just going to share it with you guys because i came across it so with regards to romanticizing the pain behind art i used to hold the same opinion that you need to have a very strong emotion whether it's happiness or sadness for you to go ahead and create something so beautiful that reflects that emotion and this was true until i came across one article by i think it was a new york times article it was about the nikko bridge in japan so the nikko bridge is actually in a particular town that i i don't remember the name but it's a very uh, like a dry and a very not so beautiful um, surrounding like you would won't find green trees and stuff there but the bridge itself is bright red in front of this beautiful temple and the history behind it is that uh, there was this famous king that was uh, passing through the place and while looking at the entire setup of the temple and the bridge he's like this place lacks something and at the same time there was a beggar that was passing by and during those uh, times there was this concept of you will get killed uh, no matter if you if you cross in front of the uh, king and the beggar was killed and when his blood fell on the bridge he's like oh red looks good here so let's make the bridge red and so people started loving the fact that the bridge is red and how it pops up uh, pops out of the entire scenery without knowing the reason behind why that bridge was red so after that point i'm not so into romanticizing uh, the pain behind art but i get that it drives you to do insanely beautiful works i get that but that's where i come from and another thing is that while we were noting down the important and the fun parts of the show i forgot to mention uh like my favorite scene the one where uh the uh the assemblyman's son comes to check in and oh my god we do not that episode is my favorite episode like it was funny and it was so moving at the same time like his entire behavior was so well put forward you know when the way he reacts and you know when his mother slaps him he's like i don't mind i don't feel pain because i'm happy because i know that she loves me because she slapped me <laughs> and he was such a beautiful episode can i also say that he was insanely attractive like oh. thank god they yeah. just gave him a robe <laughs> because <laughs> yeah <laughs> Manja I have to say if you did find him very attractive you should continue watching Vincenzo because our man makes an appearance there. Yes, um, yes, yes, I've seen him. I've seen him in the trailer. I mean in one of the stuff I saw on YouTube it was on the thumbnail. I was like, "Oh, I I know you." Yeah, such an amazing actor, honestly. Props to him. But yeah, I mean as we discussed I think there are so many aspects of this K-drama that are enjoyable. Uh it just occurred to me that uh, when Ananya was talking about her favorite scene that my favorite scene is when or my favorite scenes are when there's a very serious scene that happens uh and then the the camera kind of pans over and pans back and the 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 kid version of the character 
is in the place instead instead of the main character and it it like moves you so much when you see uh, stuff like that uh, i think specifically i'm talking about the convenience store scene um where uh, she's uh, talking to him and he's finally getting the opportunity to be someone other than uh, some case caregiver and he appears as like the child yeah so i have a point it's not relevant i mean not entirely for it's okay to not be okay but since you brought up the panning of the different timelines uh, i find that when k dramas do that sometimes it really throws me off for example i stopped watching law school for this very reason because the current scene and the uh, previous scene it just threw me off but i think it's okay to not be okay uh, did that really well so i it wasn't confusing and it was needed and it was put across really well you know um i think one of the main reasons i like it's okay to not be okay was because like i've tried watching other k dramas right so i i tried watching the married world or the one sanjana recommended i tried watching stronger bong song with nivi initially i I've, i've watched like four episodes of uh, sweet home but the thing is i feel like the reason i stuck with this show was because A, it was interesting, and B, I don't know. It, it was mainly character driven. Um, the other shows which I watched, like the the married life one, I feel like it was just too intense, and you cannot binge that show for the life of you, because each episode is like a movie, and it's just too much to do. But this one was light, and it was also heavy, but then it balanced it out really well, which if that makes sense, and that's why I think. If you're a non-K drama watcher, I think you should start with watching this show. But I don't think that's going. To, so I say that, but then also like I haven't successfully finished the K drama after this show, so I don't know. But it's a good start. It's so funny that Vital mentions the whole light and heavy thing, and that's definitely a good sign that he's actually paying attention to things we say on the group. Because <laughs> normally, I don't think people classify them as light and heavy, at least in the sense that we do. So, since Vital mentioned that, we're proud of you, Vital. Good one. I listen to your podcast, guys. Oh, listen, listen. When Vital says no, uh, I watch something. He said when Vital says I watch the show or the K drama. He said something when he said it. Can we put the wow after the? <laughs> you know, let's say it together. No, let's say wow. it together. Three, two, one. Wow! wow. Yeah. No foundation. <laughs> I think my favorite episode in the entire show was the one where Kumon Young and Gangte um, they leave and they go. away from everyone else right because it was a episode when he tries to like be free from his burdens and he just goes away and when they come back and it just everything explodes on him i think that was a really well done episode because the boy was finally opening up to like be freer and then he comes back and then his world just crashes on him with that emotional scene in the end of that episode when they all cry and like it was super emotional i think when i started tearing up in the end of that episode it was a really good episode i kind of want to ask like did you guys cry at the end of the show cuz i didn't even i didn't can i, I tell you watch the end of the show <laughs> oh no the show that's I, a big I, at you vital for me i think the scene where um 
Sangte accepts um uh, Young. And you know, I think they walk, and then uh, Komunyang. I think Komunyang and Gangte stay behind, or yeah. I think just Komunyang who stays behind, and then he's like, "What are you doing? Come along!" Like because initially she thought that he's not ready to accept her, and she was respecting that. But that got me so much. That made me cry so much. Uh, I think my favorite scene was when the three of them were. At the uh, dining table, and they were just having food, and they're just cracking at each other. And when um, Moong Young actually thought she was a part of something, and she she's not uh, entitled to her her really dark past, and that she she can actually be happy in life. I think that was such a defining point in the whole. Of course, it was in the quite in the beginning itself i think middle or something but it was it was so sweet i i really loved it yeah i think the scene that made me cry uh, and made me really emotional was when uh, after munyang uh, had found out that uh, her mother had uh, killed uh, uh, sangte and gangte's uh, mom uh, and she was aware of it and she hadn't eaten uh and uh sangte actually comes to the room with porridge uh and something else for and makes her eat and she's constantly crying and says i'm so sorry i'm so sorry uh please forgive me and and he keeps saying cry don't keep crying i'll forgive you if you eat food and it was just it was it was a lot of emotions in that one scene uh but yeah that that one really got to me but um moving on i uh, i know that you spend a lot of time on this wait mitra do you want to say something mansat did you watch that scene no <laughs> no i, I did think not. you should you know what i think you okay. should go back in time and like stop not spoil it for me so i would watch a show and feel like the emotional fulfillment i deserve but i didn't so you will like oops kakus um of course the biggest theme that we have to touch on uh, for the show is the portrayal of mental health uh and as a budding mental health professional myself i was kind of happy with the way that the show approached painting characters with mental health concerns um although obviously that there are definitely some issues here and there but the, i think compared to a lot of tv shows and movies that associate mental health with violence like deep deep violence um and shows that other shows that romanticize mental health issues uh, to a great degree uh, personally i felt like it's okay to not be okay uh, did a really good job uh, but i'm curious to know uh, what you guys thought of uh, the depiction of mental health on the show i totally agree with you nevi how they didn't go too much into how it's too violent or they didn't romanticize the fact like totally it was kind of in between i really love that but i mean i wish they would have dwelled into a little uh, less uh, intensive cases like mental health is not it doesn't always go in such huge decrees it's such a vast thing and uh, you know they could have told how people can get out of it they could have shown how people can get strength and uh, yeah and you know how people should support other people and should not judge other people based on it and uh, 
yeah uh, but i think those factors were like kind of included when you take those three into factor um but the way the uh, kangte was totally left out in the blue and like no one was there to rescue him because they thought he was just so put together but actually he was suffering a lot inside and he wasn't happy like the man in the mask kind of so yeah i feel they could have sensitized that subject a little more but yeah that that was my view so on the surface of it i i feel like the show really portrayed how beautiful the human mind is and i think the one message that they reiterated at least to me was that uh, you know you don't really know what people are going through and you know the kind of issues that make people the way they are so like you know the character who i don't know his name but he's friends with dr o um so he he there's only one episode that they show he's on the bus and i think he gets a panic attack and uh, then um, sangte helps him so you don't really know anything about he's such a cheerful guy throughout the show he's always you know helping the others and then suddenly you see that and you um, they tell you why he felt that and the ptsd he had um so that yeah that again reiterated to me of that message uh, but you know as a person who is not really an expert in this field i can't really say how accurate they were but in my opinion i definitely felt like they did quite a respectful portrayal of uh, mental health issues like the ones at least that they have covered uh, but something i did come across online is that uh, someone said that they were actually excited about uh, seeing somebody on the autistic spectrum uh, in a show like this but apparently they were a little bit disappointed uh, in the sense that they were little confused with sangte so that was something i came across but i it's not something i can comment about uh, but yeah like i said in my opinion i think uh, it was a brilliant portrayal and it definitely um, educated a lot of people in some ways and yeah that's that was my take from the mental health perspective okay so i think there were several aspects about mental health the way they addressed it that i really liked like i can't speak a lot about the issues themselves because i'm just not qualified but one thing that i liked was uh how they addressed each patient's uh story and the reason why they had that mental uh health issue and like one thing that sticks to me was there was that old man who had ptsd from being a part of the war uh i i don't remember if it was the korean war or the vietnamese war i'm sorry but um he he says this one line where he's like i kill people because someone told me to and i questioned whether i was human at that point or some animal that someone else was raising and some reason that stuck with me and it was so beautifully worded so i really like the way in which they portrayed that another thing that uh was unique about i wouldn't say unique the way they brought it about was both uh kumneong and gangte's characters were flawed like i think the title of the show it's okay to not be okay shows that like no one on the show was okay like 
everyone was uh showed the it showed that everyone had some issue like it doesn't matter how much you express it or how well you hit it but it showed that everyone had some some kind of issues and it's okay like it's it doesn't matter if society accepts accepts you or not you need to like love yourself and get a uh, find find help for it i wouldn't say get over it because that would be a very bad wording of it but both komenyong and gangti's character they keep saying telling to each other that both uh, you're you're acting like a child uh which who a child that needs to be loved and needs to be fed and like you can see that in komenyong's character also she's always like uh i'm hungry like i'm always hungry and that hunger is reflective of her need to be uh need to feel the warmth and that fulfillment of having a full stomach that can only come in a household that's the, where you have loving parents right which both of them lack because komen uh, komenyong's parents weren't there for her and gangte's uh, parents well he spent most of his life for his brother and taking care of him and another thing that i really liked is no matter how everyone else treated sangte uh, komenyong was the only one who treated him as a completely like like her oppa like the way an elder elder brother has to be treated that's the way she treated him not like someone who's on the autistic spectrum or anything like that uh i think that level of trust that that relationship that grew between them was only possible because of the way she treated him i think we fairly covered most like the issues we wanted to talk about but i think what i really liked about the show that is literally a show dedicated to exploring like mental health and how, why people are the way they are which is very rare i don't think you get to see a show that does this especially not in like the k drama world i haven't seen and i think the first indicator that the show is like legit is the fact that it's set within a hospital that sort of like an institution that deals with uh, these kind of issues and what i like is within like the institution like they see, the patients seem to have created like a support system for themselves which i really liked like it it was a really nice sense of camaraderie there and i really enjoyed watching that and i think more often than not when you have institutions like these shows really go one of two ways first it's like it's a horror show and like someone is like definitely getting killed and things like that and second is like they make fun of it it's very rare that a show goes in like goes in takes an in-depth analysis of you know why people are there because it's very rarely like these people's lives are considered and the show really goes into explaining what life experiences sort of took a toll on these people to and you know, affect them mentally the way it did and as sanjana said you know what and um it was a really respectful portrayal i think i mean from my limited knowledge it didn't make fun of anything it was just i don't know just describing what people are going through and i really like that um just one question i felt myself i mean i found myself asking myself <laughs> was does having issues underlying mental issues um sort of justify wrong behavior and i asked this because of this one particular scene which is that i know it was it was it was all over social media it was that locker that locker scene where komenyong is just appears uh when gangte is changing do you guys remember it's like one of the initial episodes like he takes his shirt off and she's just there and she's just like wow 
and i don't know and i was reading a discussion about this online and it was about how i i mean i know she struggled identifying what is right and wrong i think that was something she struggled with but i don't have to justify her doing what she did because if the roles were reversed that was just incredibly wrong that was just incredibly wrong so i don't i i don't know i feel this is a debate an interesting debate to explore as to whether having um i don't know what the right word is but issues sort of justifies behavior like this so i don't know yeah you know the way the show was pitched to me I, so i saw it on a booktuber's like video one day and it was pitched to me as a show where uh, people explore um, patients in a mental hospital and how the caretakers and that's how the show was pitched to me as in how they handle the situations and that's that's what like initially interested me to the show and i think that the portrayal of all of the characters and all of the issues were actually done pretty well from a perspective of someone who doesn't have in depth knowledge in the situation so i thought that was really cool about uh, talking about the role reversals and the way the whole situation happened in the first episode i think what mansa was talking about happened in the first episode i don't think i mean if the roles were reversed obviously that would have been a huge red flag regardless of the the issue right because i don't think looking looking at it from a perspective of a dude i don't think it would have been acceptable at all for a dude to go in a changing room when a woman was changing but since the roles were reversed i think it was given more slack so that is a very interesting discussion to have and i don't know it just it doesn't seem logical to like for that to happen uh i feel like uh, again i can't talk extremely as to whether having a mental health issue is justifying this behavior but from what i can talk about the way in which the storyline is portrayed this is one episode where they talk about the girl in the red shoes which uh was uh i think the story is about how uh when the girl wears red shoes she can't stop dancing and uh the executioner has to cut off her legs but even after she cuts he cuts off her legs she still keeps dancing and this is mirrored with her obsession and this is when she enters and follows uh moongangte into uh that the psychiatric hospital and uh here she talks about her obsession and for me in the beginning i'm like okay like prima facie it looks like uh, her obsession is gangte but like when you look into her character and the way she behaves she knows that she does not have on a, a very uh like from the beginning she is like portrayed to be very uh not normal like she because of her very uh unique way of expressing things of her very raw way of channelizing her thoughts she is seen to either make people very scared or very wary of her uh and she has a tendency to uh like scare people away and i think her obsession here what they talk about is uh her need to constantly test the people that comes that come into her life like when you take into consideration her agent her agent sticks around probably because he knows completely about her past and also because i mean he br- she brings in the revenue right and but when gangte did come in 
it was a reflection of her past and in the past he ran away and she want probably she just wants to check in again and again as to whether he'll run away again whether he actually accepts her behavior right now and her obsession is making sure that he sticks along and it's a constant test of uh i guess one's loyalty there so that's what i think that's her behavior is reflective of yeah i think uh, uh what i what i would say about um whether something is right or wrong is two things one is intent and the other is awareness um and it's it's still a gray area when you consider antisocial personality disorder because um individuals with the disorder are typically thought to disregard uh consequences like they don't particularly care about the consequences and they don't particularly care about the feelings of others um which uh is what confuses me about the idea that Komen Young has antisocial personality disorder because uh, in a lot of ways i feel like she did care about uh the the way that other people felt towards her and did have emotions towards other people which kind of led me for some time i think to think that she was misdiagnosed but if if someone with the inability to or with the ability to disregard another person's feelings and the rules and ethics and the law and stuff if they i mean if they were to do something like that i think even i would find it very hard to say whether that's right or wrong i think it depends honestly on the awareness of the person to or the ability for that person to actually make that call which again is so hard for us to say whether uh, she was actually able to tell that what she was going to do was wrong or whether she just didn't realize that what she was doing was wrong but uh, yeah i think that's that's what i was thinking yeah i guess uh, i need to like just direct this question back to mansa because she asked it like if this is the criminal law situation and the person's diagnosis is still undetermined as to whether it's uh, she's insane or she has bouts of uh, lucidity in her mental state how would you treat that situation like i think it comes down to the person's diagnosis in that particular moment so like how would you go about that i would like bring that back to you you know interestingly i only asked the question because i was thinking about it legally i was like wait you know what if someone were to like if this was like a criminal case and someone to say what would your defense be could you plead something to the effect of insanity which is what which is the only legal provision which which is which is a defense right you say that i was i was not in a situation to comprehend what i was doing was right or wrong and i don't know i feel like the law doesn't really take into account nuances of mental health i suppose because the law is such that it says if you um it's literally i think i think it's it's insanity insanity of insanity it it i don't it know de- yeah it greatly depends know. upon the judge's interpretation of the entire situation and then come to a conclusion the medical diagnosis and everything so I really cannot give a conclusive answer for this question to be very honest. See, by I don't know, maybe I'm looking at it on a wrong scale. But by that logic, people like serial killers for crimes like that, could you plead something to the effect that I didn't know what I was doing was wrong? Is that okay? 
this is going to get so legal bro uh, so that's where that difference of uh whether it was uh, an isolated incident whether it was a series whether there was a chain of uh, uh causation linked there uh, the intent all of those elements come in and that's why your legal argument uh would vary completely differently from a social setup like this you know like i feel like we cannot completely compare it because we have elements upon the basis of which we establish an argument but in this case like if you're going to break okay <laughs> oh my god this is going to sound so crazy but like if we have to go to and fro for uh komnyong and agante you will have to like split this up into elements right intent everything but you'll just watch this on netflix and you'll be like oh that's wrong so i feel like you can't compare it Uh, I was just going to say that I think uh, I think Ananya spot on. The thing is, especially in Komen Young's case, you can't really. It's very difficult to say. Someone has mentioned that she has a diagnosis, but it's hard to say that she actually has antisocial personality disorder, and that's something that would probably have to come from a professional. So in that mm. case, if if she if she did have the diagnosis, then maybe it should be something that's considered in you know the act itself is wrong for sure. but i think uh, i i lack legal knowledge so it would depend on the judge to kind of make that decision i suppose about whether uh, it is justified that she has this uh, particular disorder and that's why she acted this way uh, but I, again like it's 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 very vague because we don't know what her medical history is like with her mental health disorder i think the common ground that links um, the underlying issue and like the legal issue is probably intention like you look into whether she understood what she was doing she was aware that it was wrong but she still chose to do it uh i think that's that's probably the rationale you you would use right because you know it's wrong but you still do it i don't know i feel like that is yeah i think what's complicated is that she probably knew that it was wrong but she didn't care and that makes it okay. even more complicated uh um, yeah Yeah. Know, maybe we should read into this because now I'm intrigued. Yeah, for sure. I'm intrigued. Same. I'm also intrigued. So, an article that I came across, uh, so initially they they acknowledged that the show does a good job at um you know, spreading awareness about mental health issues, but they later question if the all the uh you know different issues that they covered were they more for moving the show forward than for uh, spreading awareness about the show so then that made me think about it as well so they mentioned one instance uh, which was when um, that girl her name is arum uh, when her ex the one with the ex husband who falls in love with the guy at the hospital so when her ex husband comes over and he's sort of threatening her nobody is actually intervening maybe that has to do with the rules as well but that was something that the article um questioned that and yeah so i was also intrigued like are they um what do you think like is it more for did they have more a uh, devilish int- intentions with portraying mental health or uh, do you think in the way that they did that it was genuinely to sort of uh, break certain taboos about mental health to sell something there is always going to be an extra level of spice that's probably added um 
and you know i'd say that uh, that it, 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 in fact there's going to be dramatization um uh, of any of portrayals because that's what sells uh so i don't know that but you know to be very fair even with that criteria the fact that they're trying to uh have something that still sells to an audience there are there are still a few shows that do a really good job with portraying mental health and i think in that way it's okay to not be okay is still um uh, one of those shows that is that definitely uses mental health to move the plot line uh and uses narratives of mental health that move the audience uh but still don't do don't uh do an injustice to people who have similar experiences um i will say though that uh and again this is not a fault of the show because it is uh not meant to go into that level of detail but the some of the diagnoses that are portrayed are relatively watered down the no it's not as simple as it is made out to be uh but that's also because you can't portray all of the symptomology or you know the the very niche things that one goes through with all of these disorders that are portrayed on the show but yeah i think i think it's inevitable that one uh adds dramatization or uses mental health to move the story line but i think it matters more whether you do it respectfully um or not which i feel like it's okay to not be okay did also like uh, speaking about the dramatic dramatization the way in which sleep paralysis was portrayed like when you watch it just as a drama as a, in the beginning i did not know what was happening i literally thought that the house is haunted but afterwards it kind of slowly opens up that it was sleep paralysis that she was talking about but not the um not the house being haunted and i feel like that's a like you didn't you don't have to like associate the concept of horror with sleep paralysis i feel like it happens to a person at least once in their lifetime so it's okay yeah so so moving on um an aspect another aspect of the show uh, that was really interesting uh is that it makes use of fairy tales um and i think in a lot of ways proves that uh no matter what age you are at you're never really too old for a good fairy tale um and uh, so in her class uh, at the psychiatric hospital uh munyang uh, def- this defines uh, fairy tales as a cruel fantasy that illustrates the brutality and the violence in the world in a paradoxical manner uh which i thought was very cool uh but uh, as you know each episode is actually named after a famous story uh, or a fairy tale uh and uh is al- almost foreshadows what is going to happen in the episode uh so what i wanted to ask is what do you guys think about the use of fairy tales to kind of propel the narrative of the story um and were there any particular fairy tales that really hit close to home for any of you so um i would uh shine light on how uh accurate um uh, munyang's illustration and stories were about life they none of them had happy endings and that was i felt it was amazing the way they brought that out because that is like the harsh truth of life i think and till now we were made to believe 
that fairy tales and all you know it's like a dream come true and stuff like that but actually every fa- uh, fairy tale has a very dark past which people have tuned it into something uh something very paradoxical which is not happening like a happy ending it's actually none of the fairy tales that we have read in our childhood is actually accurate they're all tweaked so i just loved the way the whole thing was uh, you know how she was so firm about how the uh, how life is it's it's dark it's chaotic can i just talk about the illustrations for a minute so i actually came across that the person who uh, did the illustrations for komunyang's book actually published the books that you see in the show so i thought that was so interesting and um so apparently he was like taken aback by how successful the show is and i think he's gone on to be a more successful artist if i'm not wrong his name is jamson so i thought it was so cool that you had this the books um come out in real life yeah like sanjana said uh the books were so good like even manvi talking about how the show was based on a book at the each of and end of it was not always like the perfect fairy tale that you'd expect it to be um i think there were like a few uh, the the beginning the fat and the beginning uh, i don't know if that was uh, included as a properly titled fairy tale that she went about to publish but it lays down the premise for the entire show about how the girl was um always haunted by a monster until the boy came along to save him and uh, save her and when the boy came to know about how uh, the girl was a uh, so called strange she leaves him but he leaves her but i i see that his categorization of strange or the reason why she leaves him uh, he leaves her oh my god sorry uh, is because she was ripping apart butterflies the butterfly wings and like while watching it i'm just i was thinking like does this have some kind of symbolic connotation to the entire uh sante being scared of butterflies and the brooch that um her mother wears when uh gangtri and sante's mother gets murdered by her and i feel like see i could not nail the exact connection but i understand there's some connection there so if anyone knows is like do bring it in in the further uh, points but along with this i think uh, i love how every storybook character is based upon one of the emotional or some kind of trauma that each of these characters in the story were facing like when you look at the uh, the unhappy dog or the there was one story that i forget the title cheerful of the dog. name cheerful dog and like how that's based on gangte like how he constantly lived in the need to protect his brother always put put up portrayed this i'm totally fine uh like i'm just going to go about my business i don't have to be bothered about anything kind of behavior but on the on the inside he's so tied up that even when the entire time like I I honestly felt like Sangte never actually needed Gangte to help him out that much like he was quite uh independent and capable of carrying himself out uh like really 
all like just go about his day pretty fine without that much of dependence and i think uh, gangte used him as an excuse and his guilt about not saving him when he was drowning in the lake to just attach himself on to his life which i love that parallel like it was so good so i don't know ananya's discussion on the whole um i don't know sante gangte using sante as an excuse for what for like sort of being protective and things like that it's sort of it took me back to this one discussion i don't know if you guys have seen the movie it's 27 dresses um it's this argument the two sisters have and like the older sister played by katherine hegel is like you know i i was always there for you when you were a kid and i practically brought you up um because you couldn't look after yourself and the younger sister says i could have but you wanted to do it for me because you felt like you had to compensate for something something to that effect and it's so true i feel um in this situation as well but you know coming back to the whole fairy tale thing i feel like fairy tales it's important that we um have realistic fairy tales because as children if we if we're like if we're socially conditioned to believe that things will always end up there's always going to be a happily ever after or that you know people are so one dimension one dimensional emotions are always black and white and things like that it just sets you off on the wrong track and then when you find out that life isn't really as easy as it is it's like a huge shock right it's like oh my god because i thought like prince charming would be standing outside in his in a shining and armor on a white horse or something like that and i think it's very important that children's books reflect that emotions are are, are complex Black, you know good and bad is it always black and white is you know the good guy is not always a good guy and the bad guy is not always a bad guy and maybe things are changing with shows like maleficent and shrek where you know it's it's not your traditional fairy tale so i really like the idea of having realistic fairy tales because i genuinely believe that is much needed especially as someone who grew up on disney watching a lot if i go back to some of the older disney movies like cinderella and beauty and the beast it just seems so so one dimensional you know like the characters just it, they don't seem real at all and one, and if i look back at it and i and i imagine kids watching this as they grow up i feel like it just sends the wrong message um you know either in book format or via movies okay um so i think that what acomonium uh, did you know with sort of writing more real versions of fairy tales and for children's books essentially was great i thought um portraying emotions like pain and sadness is being normal is is much needed because it sort of provides the foundation you need as a child to i don't know just emotionally process things if that makes sense yeah i completely agree uh, i think uh, the when when i first thought about Uh, whether i would want to read such a fairy tale uh, as a kid i was slightly disturbed by it uh, like the idea of having to read something that has a bad ending but i i also realized that like, like manu said so rightly i mean i don't understand i think in the long term the points of these happy endings of course some stories are good because they teach you morals as a kid um but believing that there's always a happy ending and sort of normalizing that i don't know how beneficial it is for kids um and i i was reminded of uh, when uh, mata sahiba disney about the fact that some of these stories are actually based on the grim fairy tales 
um which are actually not at all uh fairy tale like at all um and uh, actually when i was thinking about uh this the story that really resonated with me uh it was the boy who fed on nightmares uh that, that i think that one uh, will like forever uh, stick with me uh i think he uh, the story is basically about how this kid she gets rid of all of his fairy tale all of his sorry the story is about how this boy goes to a witch and asks for all of his nightmares to be taken away because he wants to be happy um and it ends with uh him just never being happy uh and uh, the when he asks the witch why am i not happy uh the witch actually says hurtful painful memories memories of deep regrets memories of hurting others and being hurt memories of being abandoned only those with such memories buried in their hearts can become stronger more passionate and emotionally flexible and those people can attain happiness and i know that's like a harsh reality type of thing but i think it speaks so true to the way life is i i don't know that i would be the person that i am today with the abilities that i have today with all the good and bad experiences that i've had uh and in that way i really appreciate that gominyam's books were actually a lot closer to as mother said social reality um than the typical fairy tale that we would probably pick up as a kid maybe i don't know if you saw the connection but um so that story talks about how like when the second time he asked the witch like uh, why am i going through this why can i not feel happiness it was on a full moon night and that's when she explains about the nightmares and everything uh the first night that she comes back to the castle when she experiences all the nightmares and everything about her past again where she feels like she's drowning and the her younger self is looking at it it was the same night with the full moon and also you can see her character develop to seek happiness from that point onwards i don't know if this is a stretch but i felt like that there's a parallel there so nevi spoke about how these fairy tales are usually simplified versions of like traditional folk tales and things but i actually i'd heard somewhere that there's a version of cinderella um that when she becomes you know the princess she orders for the birds to uh, peck her sister step sister's eyes out and it just got me thinking you know like the disney version doesn't say this the disney version says she forgives everyone and you know she's so kind and so i mean they literally tortured her for like god knows how long and she was like you know what? it's all good i'm a princess now and it really conditions you to believe that yes you must forgive people who screw you over which isn't life right because that's not how it should be if someone screws you over you say no i that's not cool go to jail <laughs> that's how you should and it sort of instills these notions of like ultimate forgiveness is like the way to like nirvana and there's always going to be a prince charming that it's always okay to be the damsel in distress someone will always save you and things like that which is just stupid especially to young girls listening i don't know it's just so unrealistic um so for me i actually the, i feel like the fairy tales were one of my favorite aspects of the show like because i am a big fantasy lover i love reading fantasy and the intermixing of fantasy into the show like it really piqued my interest and i don't know if it was just me so i binge watched the show so i watched it pretty late into the night and these like fairy tales were actually quite scary for me to watch 
especially when they correlate to the story like uh, the girl was hiding from the monster and then when um, the mainly uh, when she was sleeping and there was a monster above her i i i think i instantly texted on the group i'm like whoa this is scary what is happening i thought it was like a very fantasy like in depth scary story but then it turned out to be more um metaphorical than real but i really love the fairy tale the inclusion of the fairy tale um yeah so actually contrary to some of uh, the points you guys made like how uh, her books were definitely a lot more realistic um i don't think that children need to be hit with hard reality from a young age i mean that's my opinion so it reminds me of a book that i read uh, called if you could see me now by cecilia ahern that talks about the difference you know in a child's perspective and an adult's perspective so in that sense like i think even if a child is presented with the book that uh komunyang wrote or books of a similar genre i don't think they would even understand like in my head i feel like they'd only get a nightmare of some sort which will not i don't think help them at all so yeah i don't i don't know i personally feel like yeah they need not because i think it's just a learning process for example if i were to pick out one fairy tale that an episode was based on it would be the ugly duckling because for me i so distinctly remember having a copy of the ugly duckling growing up but i never looked at it in the way of how you know judging a person affects them which is what the show uh, tells you about so i think that was a really nice touch in um you know yeah evolving these fairy tales but i also feel like um if you talk about how each of the episode was based on a fairy tale I, from a, maybe a production and a writing point of view it is definitely a stroke of genius to base the story like that i i i wonder you know did they set that the these are going to be the fairy tales and that i'm going to write my story around this or was the story such that they said okay this is the fairy tale that goes with this story so yeah that was something that i thought about i think i i mean i guess that not all the stories that was put forth in the uh, series would be apt for children of all age but if it's something that would impact uh their behavior in the society and treating other people like the ugly duckling one i i'd rather have those like children uh know about that earlier on than like allow them to go ahead and treat people uh differently because of their uh physical appearance or any kind of behavior so uh i don't completely agree with sana there but um i want to highlight one thing uh the way in which the witch is portrayed in her uh, story i feel like um in the beginning also when she's sitting in the restaurant and the child comes and says that i want to be a princess because the princess is beautiful and she's like the princesses in uh, the uh, only person who is beautiful in my story are the witches and i think this has a lot to do with the way in which she uh views her mother as the witch in her stories in her story 
because her mother was said to be beautiful and she also imposed that on Komunyong a lot like even the, the way in which she had to cut, chop off her hair because she uh, she said that she felt like her mother doesn't have a leash on her anymore so i feel like there are certain aspects uh, where they've reflected uh, very minute details about a particular character into these stories and it's a a beautiful literature journey overall like just going through these episodes the second time around as well yeah i mean i i completely agree i think uh, i think uh, i'm also a little bit in between sana's perspective and the perspective that we've been discussing because i mean i i think maybe because i was also raised with like these fairy tales that were less dark uh i would think that a child's innocence should be preserved and so they shouldn't have to face the realities but again that it i'm drawn back to whether that benefits anyone if a child isn't aware i would say that maybe some of komunyong's books are slightly more gruesome uh and maybe not completely child appropriate and i think even while watching the show it blew my mind that those were actually selling as children's books and i think an example of this is the the mo- uh, the monkfish and the hand uh i hope i said the name right uh but i think such a beautiful story it's such a beautiful story about how a girl who was um brought up uh by a mother who was so fond of her but didn't let her have her own independence um and finally came to a point where the mother needed help but the child didn't know what to do because uh she lacked the arms and the the legs uh, because her mother constantly carried her around and didn't make her do work um and i mean at the end like the mother throws her into a sea or something and uh, because the only thing that is big is her mouth uh because uh, she talks uh and like th- that kind of a story maybe i w- would not want a child to know the, so i think the moral is great uh and should be something that a child comes to realize is that you should be able to have your own independence but maybe the way that the story portrays is it is slightly strange but i would say that stories like uh disney stories that uh, where you know there's a damsel in distress and uh there's a man to save the damsel I think those set wrong connotations for sure and I would I would personally maybe hesitate to uh show just those kind of movies uh to my children uh I would want them to have a taste of reality but probably not in a way that takes away from their innocence but makes them aware for sure So just another like maybe final point in my favor would be actually the beauty and the beast so i grew up watching this movie so many times to the point where right now in front of me i actually have a rose in a glass like i just saw it somewhere and i bought it because that's how much this uh, i watched this movie and that's how much i loved it you know um, from a young age but so only maybe it's been a couple of years that somebody spoke about i think even in an article that i came across while reading about it's okay to not be okay talked about how beauty and the beast is actually about stockholm syndrome and it completely in a way maybe ruined <laughs> not ruined the show but of course it opened up my eyes to something different that i never saw in the show ever you know i just saw it as you know the um 
power in bell's heart to forgive and see past all that um uh, the beast stood for <laughs> so yeah that was something they covered in the show as well and how i think aram talks about how it's the power of love and things like that but um yeah others would beg to differ so yeah again it comes back to how you just never i mean a child just cannot sort of comprehend these complex i think just see it is correct like how ananya said like i don't want a child to judge people and maybe telling them the effects of it um is is for the better but when it comes to certain complex things that is what um komunyung's books were about i think uh, it's something that will just go over a child's head so yeah so i i don't know i i think i've read the original beauty and the beast book i think i have like i did a while ago and i remember it not being so black and white but the issue i had with beauty and the beast was twofold first was this whole i mean actually three first was what sanjana brought up which is the whole romanticizing the fact that she was basically held prisoner but then she was actually fell in love with him so it was all good i thought that was pretty messed up um second was the fact that you know true love's kiss can change you into like a better person and the fact that you know the 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 the, the hotter dude is the ultimate dream ultimate woman's dream you know the fact that someone's appearance could make such a difference i mean i get it he was a beast hairy and stuff but i don't know like the the kind of representation you're trying to make in that if you it's sort of like the princess and the frog situation right um but the, the last point was that you are somehow responsible for someone else's fate in that you must do your best to sort of change them into a better human being which is um i feel like something a lot of us go through in that we give so much to change people but our understanding that maybe that's not your responsibility like change is something that must come from within i i feel like this is something we all go through right that we sacrifice so much for someone else in the hope that they will change but just end up losing a part of yourself and i know it's it's probably leading into a very simplistic disney movie but it just does give the idea that you must love someone until they change which is kind of toxic <laughs> So I don't know I feel like definitely fairy tales need to be a little more realistic and yeah So I don't know if it was one of you that brought up the issue with Snow White recently was it one of you I don't remember I I think it was me yeah. like I think uh there was a trend going on saying uh like Snow White has been romanticized for too long but Uh, there was this also counter arguments stating that you know what like she was 14 years old kicked out of her house was a princess kicked out of her castle and she had to go and make her living and find comfort in the house of seven dwarfs so give her some credit no so the story is that um i i don't know what exactly it is i think so disneyland opened up somewhere and i think they changed their snow white ride or something and it was uh, uh focused around the true love's kiss and how it was non consensual and how parents were worried that um you know it's giving a wrong message to the kids so yeah the, or this discussion just yeah uh, reminded me of that 
Yeah, I think even uh, Komen Young at one point uh, when she was in this class explaining the story of Beauty and the Beast said that said something that really uh, resonated with me, which was that um, the Beast wasn't someone that you could forgive just because he was he did a few good things because in between those few good things he did a lot of bad things, uh, but because Belle was helpless, she you know she sought out the good things and maybe that that feeds into the Stockholm syndrome bit. Okay, so I think the last thing that I would want for us to discuss is uh, an obvious but probably not uh, very much talked about aspect of the show, which is the idea of family um, and how family influences uh, an individual and their growth and their future. Um, because I think uh, there are different family systems in the show, uh, ranging from functional to dysfunctional obviously having varying impacts on uh, the characters themselves. But I was wondering, what did you guys think about um, the, how family was portrayed and uh, you know, what kind of power do you think family holds um, uh, on a person? I think the first main ingredient is just love. It's you, it, um you can understand it and also you can't understand it like um <laughs> how much ever like for i'm sure it's opposed to what is actually shown on it's okay not to be okay because the hate that uh moon young had for her dad and she wanted she literally wanted to see him dead and that was just so dark okay after she got to know that her like about the whole scene that her mom wasn't dead like he her dad didn't kill her and then she would have actually just you know she would have escaped or something um and like her total disregard for her real family but how she sought out for an another chosen family but i mean and that was just pure pure love and that and just yeah, just that. I think they didn't have anything in common and uh, they just had a lot of understanding and they really just cared about each other. I think that's what just kept them going. You know, I think as Manvi points out, family really played a dual role here um, in the sense that both, you know, Gangte Sante as well as Komanyong were shaped by the experiences they had growing up within their biological families. And you can see the impact it had, especially on Komanyong, that it just, it just totally changed her as a human being and just shaped her to be someone who she didn't really want to be, I suppose. And it also shows how unwittingly family can influence the way you look at the world, like how, you know, for Gangte, his mom telling him on repeat that he somehow had to look out for his brother that, that instilled this guilt and at the same time a hatred I would suppose that he seemed to get all the attention and you know Gante was never really sort of neglected and that sh shaped the way he viewed his brother and viewed the world in general Maybe it could have also shaped the career choice right he chose to be a caretaker and that's something that Sort of was probably something his mom, the way his mom treated him, that happened. And the other way family, families represented here is as maybe pointed out, chosen family in this small unit, Gante Sante and Komanyong form. 
and how it sort of reverses the trauma they experience as children within their biological family so i think when you have family that that inculcates love and trust and just um i don't know an environment where you can just be yourself i think that is what family should be and yeah uh yeah uh, like actually looking back in the drama the one uh family setup where there was a healthy relationship was the one between uh the uh the landlady juri's uh, mother and her like that's the one relationship or a family setup that uh is significantly a healthy relationship i would say but you see how that one person that one mother sets out to be not just a motherly figure for juri but every single person that basically she comes across or she feeds uh, under her roof like it's an absolutely beautiful aspect of motherhood that she shows wherein she realizes that a child needs love and a full a, a, a full stomach of food you know like when kominyon comes and tells her that it's my birthday she actually makes that seaweed soup that korean drink i mean eat on their birthday so you know like and she does this knowing that uh or oh, she's the reason why her daughter can't have a happy ending with um uh, gangte and i think that's a very beautiful portrayal of chosen family as well as biological family but other than that i would say that family is any place or a group of people that make you feel that warmth that she keeps craving and that feel of sec- the feeling of security and i think especially in the lockdown and everything our idea of family and our idea of comfort has shifted a lot and it's it's beautiful that we have each other to comfort each other and like obviously other friends other than this group of podcasters that's sitting here but i think chosen family plays an immense role in building your character and that's beautiful sarange prem sarange Oh my god we hat. haven't spoken about that guys we haven't spoken about sarange sarakhand <laughs> i i thought about it when sanjana was talking about how she screamed at the <laughs> the deer or something <laughs> yeah i think it's honestly one of my favorite scenes oh because, same because i mean what a wonderful way to indicate the way that the relationship between the two of them is moving because at the beginning she's the one that yells at him to get his attention and professes her love for him and then towards the end of the drama he, he has to yell at her to get her attention and yeah. professes love for her i think it was it was just some i think i have so much respect for the story writers and the producers on the show definitely because i you can tell that so much thought has gone into actually uh you know creating a storyline that has so many layers that even when you watch it a second and a third time it's still so interesting and it ropes you in immediately so um i believe family is like crucial in this show because everything that happens in the show the way the characters progress 
is because of something that happened with respect to their family right especially the main characters uh, the main two leads right their relationship it it starts off with them being extremely different people like uh, gante is like this beautiful boy who's very quiet timid and soft and uh, komenyong she is this like bold screaming person who's quite selfish that like polar opposites of each other but the thing that brings them closer together is their childhood trauma right so he was made to suppress himself to a point where he was not even a person and the fact that his mom said that i gave birth to you to take care of uh, sangte after i pass that i was the main reason i gave birth to you so you don't say that to a child like to a budding child which is quite bad parenting and on her front her parents were like killers and murderers and like that whole front so and the whole point of their relationship was to unravel their childhood trauma caused by their families right and that's how they grew and they grew together in their relationship and also guys i love found families found families is like my go to trope in books and when i saw this found family happening i was so happy to see the three of them become a unit and like when they took the photo together it was like beautiful so yeah that's my two cents on it yeah i think in a lot of ways it's important to recognize that um families groom you uh or, and the way that they raise you has a very real impact on who you become in the future because i think um uh, the show really uh, portrays how for for example for komen young how her inability to properly express her emotions uh comes from like her as a kid being told that uh, you know she should only listen to her mom i remember her mom uh, she asked her mom uh, why uh, bluebeard's uh, wives were killed by him and uh, she said because uh you know they didn't listen to him uh and uh and you know thereby implying that she should listen to uh, her mother and th- those kind of relationships really do have a lasting impact like vital said what Sang- what santhem gangte's mom did also really did have a very big impact uh i also was thinking about how important it is to have an identity maybe outside of your family as well and sometimes you get so rooted in your identity as a member of your family that your relationship might become unhealthy and i was thinking about this because uh, mainly with relation to gangte and sangte um where for a very long time um sangte was possessive of uh gangte uh, and i think the thing that he kept saying is that gangte belongs to sangte uh and like that felt weird to me um like and i think in a in a way also maybe fed into gangte's idea that his brother is uh, almost like the center of his universe for a very long time um and eventually when uh, uh, you know there's a point in the show where uh, sangte eventually like realizes that he has to be the older brother uh, and uh, he starts to like really take care of first uh, gangte and then komunyong as well and at the very end of the show he finally says sangte belongs to sangte and that gangte belongs to gangte 
uh, I think that was such a crucial moment uh, because, I mean, of course, families should lean on each other uh, and they do depend on each other. But I don't think that uh, your entire identity should be derived from who you are in your family and, uh, you know, the, the way that your family perceives you, etc. You are a person outside of that also, in my opinion. Um, for me, so like you guys mentioned, I think whatever your, uh, the family you're born into, however they are, so if they're very positive or negative, that has such an impact on the person you are and the person you become. And that's what I think the show, um, shows us throughout. So apart from, of course, the main, uh, characters, families, again, coming back to the politician sons family you know the the lens that his dad was going to to hide him from society and how his mother disregards him i think it it really sh like shaped his uh what he wanted to do and how he felt so i think that was something that uh moved me and another thing like navy said that the whole gangte is gangte is such a such a imp, I think one of the main themes throughout the show and such an important statement made like to see their relationship uh, grow throughout the show was something in, interesting to me because you know considering um, uh, Sangte's like difficulties um, I was wondering like you know how, uh, the kind of guilt that sometimes Gangte felt when he had fun or he lied to Sangte was just so, um, so moving. And you don't know what's right because on one hand, uh, yes, he had a responsibility to take care of his family. But on the other hand, Gangte is Gangte. So, uh, yeah, seeing that was really interesting to me. And also the addition of Ko Moon Young in that mix, in the sense that uh, they become a family. I think there's one episode where she asks uh, Sangte permission, can I have Gangte? So that was really interesting as well. Like, oh, um, you know, you add that in the mix. Um, how do you keep everyone happy? But in the end, seeing Sangte grow and accepting of this was so beautiful to me. Yeah, I think uh, the drama on its own garnered a lot of excellent attention uh, from people who, as we can tell from the group here today, are uh, connoisseurs of K-dramas and people who haven't really delved into the K-drama world uh, for the fact that it has um, so many relevant themes and at the same time is is such a moving and uh, important story to tell. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's all that we have for today's episode. Uh, as always, if you uh, want to keep updated on the episodes that we have uh, and other cool content uh, that we upload, you can follow us on Instagram, the.cocopod. Um, let us know if you have any K-dramas that you'd like for us to review uh, and if you have any feedback about the episodes we've released so far. Hey, but Vital, uh, out of curiosity, how have you found this experience of being on the podcast? So I, I'm an avid listener of podcasts. 
I listen to like different kinds of podcasts every day. This one for me was so initially when it when like I I was there throughout you guys pitching this thing among yourselves and planning the whole thing, and it was honestly really exciting because I I I listen to your conversations almost on a daily basis, and to listen to a podcast about from you guys like seemed like a really cool idea. As a person who doesn't watch K dramas or hasn't watched the last two. I still listen to both them, and they were still really interesting conversations that were happening in the in the episodes. Even if it wasn't, even if I didn't have context to the show, I could still grasp the conversations you were having from the show, and that was really interesting. And I really enjoyed them, and I really enjoyed this one also being a part of the podcast and the whole process and seeing how it happens behind the scenes it was really cool. It was a good experience. We didn't pay him to say this. Nor did yeah, you pay him yeah. at one point. I, I promise. Am, I am. I. I have six six pairs of eyes staring. Six five five pairs of eyes staring at me right now while I'm answering this question. Just saying. <laughs> Can we uh, get an "I love you" from your side? Yeah, we does. I feel like we're long old, and I love you. Also, can we get this right? Make it a sarangi. Make make it a sarangi. Oh my God! Say sarangi, please. Sarangi, sarangi, sarangi. Perfect. I did not Love enjoy it. that. I did it. I, I was just like how she did it in the show. On that note, <laughs> you know what? We should end this episode with adult screaming. Sarangi, sarangi. Please don't. Oh my God! That would be so cute. Please don't. Adult, say it loud and clear. It's disturbing. No, no, no! Sarangi. Don't say it. Oh, Sarangi. Sarangi. <laughs> oh no! What have we done? I, I don't. I don't even know if I if I said their names right throughout the podcast. I don't know if I said them right. No, you're fine. Like one point, you called as Yuri instead of Juri, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we'll make you rush your go. We have also made yeah, the same Sarangi. mistakes in the previous podcast. <laughs> no, we haven't. Oh, okay. shut up! I've listened to them. <laughs> you wouldn't know the difference because you never watched them. I, I wouldn't. That's I want to see the one. Okay, guys, we were done. So now we'll go. Come, guys, we'll go home. <laughs> we have to say bye. <laughs> You're in. Okay. I think uh, honestly, Vital, we're very grateful to have had you on the podcast. I think we've been looking forward to having you since we realized that we were going to have an episode, and it's okay to not be okay. So we're very glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Gratitude is Our making me very uncomfortable. You guys, our first guest. Our first guest. Oh my God! Next yeah. year, Nam. Like we can only go. Up. Yeah. Eric Nam, Oppa, Siddharthi. One minute, one minute, one minute. Vital was a stepping stone to Eric Nam. Yeah. Like, how low is the standards to get Eric Nam? I feel like Ouch. more. Oh, I feel no. like I step, I step all over Vital to get to Eric Nam. I would trample on him. Can you all like go back to thanking me and praising me, please? Thanks. <laughs> I think we did that enough. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for Rude. ruining the episode for yeah, the show for months. Yeah, thanks. Of course, <laughs> I, will, I will. I will try to do it again. Don't worry. So does okay. that mean that you? You'll watch another K drama and join us. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. <gasps>
Let's do World of the Married. Please finish. No, oh no, I want no. Yes. Absolutely not. No. No chance. Yes. It is. Hey, everyone, we're doing extracurricular next. Everyone has to watch. With that, thank you so much for listening into this episode. Um, we hope to just see you soon in our future episode. Bye. 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 Bye.